right, just nine games left. Happy Wednesday. Welcome, as always, to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby, and you know by now, Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube, and we will have podcasts every single day for the rest of the baseball season. This show is presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Coming up on today's show, myself, Trace Fowler, and Craig Sandlin discuss Wednesday night's Reds game. I'll let you know where things stand in the NL wildcard race for the Reds. Recap the Reds minor league action, including one team in the playoffs. And we'll preview Wednesday's series finale against the Twins. But first, here's what happened on Tuesday night at Great American Ballpark. Reds went with a bullpen game, and first out was Fernando Cruz, and he struck out four of the six batters that he faced, but he did walk one batter. That runner stole second base on a dropped by Ellie De La Cruz. Buck Farmer came in as Cruz was up to 29 pitches. Farmer allowed a single, and it was 1-0 Twins. Alex Young gave up a solo home run for the Reds in the fourth to make it 2-0 Twins. Kenta Maeda of the Twins took a perfect game into the fourth inning, but with two outs, Spencer Steer spoiled that with a double. Jake Fraley walked, and then the Reds pulled off a double steal. Tyler Stevenson just about blooped in a game-tying single, but Twins center fielder Willie Castro made a nice sliding catch to end the inning. Ben Lively then took up most of the slack for the Reds. Lively started off well, but ended up struggling three and two-thirds innings, six hits, four runs, three walks, three strikeouts. The defense didn't help Lively out as well. And a tough day for Tyler Stevenson got even worse. Tyler Stevenson had a two-run home run robbed in the seventh by, again, twin center fielder Willie Castro. Stevenson hit that ball 411 feet. Tough day overall for Tyler Stevenson. Tough day behind the plate. Had some uh, wild pitches and pass balls. But the Reds would end up falling 7 to nothing, and it was the first time the Reds have been shut out in 32 games all the way back on August 15th. Reds now 79-74 and on the season. Reds are still 6-3 and in their last nine games. Here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say about Tuesday night's loss. A lot of uh, strikeouts from team tonight. See anything, or is it one of those nights you just tip your cap to guys like Maeda? And- yeah, I mean, he pitched uh, really well against us. He made it tough for us. Um, really had the split working. That was a tough matchup for us. And, and like you said, we struck out a lot. So, um, yeah, it was just one of those nights. For Ben Lively, um, obviously he bridged a, a gap, made up a lot of innings for you, which helps going forward. But where did you see his struggles tonight? Yeah, I mean, really the story of the game for me is kind of how you started. I mean, we don't we weren't able to score runs. I mean, that makes it really tough on... You know, we were in a situation tonight where a lot of guys were going to pitch. Um, ben, you know, was going to pitch, uh, you know, some of those innings. But when you're when you're not scoring, it just puts a lot of pressure on your your pitching and um, you know, or team. So there's been plenty of nights where offense has come through. And uh, but tonight, really, the story was not so much our pitching. We just weren't able to score. If we score some runs there, that changes the way you you do everything. Um, so. You know, Ben gave us everything he, he could out there, and um, I'm just going to turn the page and move on uh, quickly uh, to 12:40 game tomorrow. One of the beauties of baseball that you can turn the page quickly, especially with a day game tomorrow. But every game, obviously, important with nine to go, but particular in, uh, importance tomorrow to win the series here at home. Sure, I mean that's what I mean. Look at where we are. I mean, this is you know, yes. Tonight aside, I mean, we we. We're, we're playing meaningful games. I think it's like September 20th or something. We have just a week or so left, week plus. And, uh, I mean, if you can't turn the page now and look forward to tomorrow and playing another big game. And, uh, you know, we have uh, all of that to look forward to for the next week. So um, not to make light of tonight because they're all extremely important. But, um to, to play games that mean this much, uh, you know, it's it's the best. You had some uh, offensive momentum going in that fourth inning, and it looked like maybe you were going to tie it up, and Castro 
kind of Rob Stevenson of two RBI. How important was that, and, and what do you think that did to kind of the momentum that you were starting to build? Yeah, you're right. It's, uh, it really took four runs off the board tonight, and uh, we've talked about it. We've been on the other side of it. I mean, every little, um, not little, those were big plays, but um, it's amazing how a play like that can change absolutely everything in a game. I mean, it affects how... You know, we manage the rest of the game the way they do. It changes all kinds of things. So um, it's all about players making plays, and they were able to do that tonight. Um, and they deserve to win the game. All right, well, the Reds did not get a lick of help in the NL wildcard race on Tuesday night. Marlins won 4-3 over the Mets. The Mets actually put up two runs in the top of the ninth inning off of Marlins closer Tanner Scott's second straight day for him. Uh, with a blown save, but the Marlins scored in the bottom of the ninth to win that game. The Cubs absolutely destroyed the Pittsburgh Pirates 14-1, to and the Diamondbacks won 8-4 over the San Francisco Giants. So here's where the NL wildcard race stands. The Phillies still hold a commanding lead for the first wildcard spot. They are three games ahead of the pack. Diamondbacks hold the second wildcard spot. They are a half game ahead of the Cubs, who hold the third and final in a wildcard spot. Marlins are a half game behind the Cubs. Reds are a full game behind the Cubs. And the Giants, they are now just 76 and 75. They are three games behind the Cubs. So the Reds still within a game and a half of two playoff spots, just a game of the final wildcard spot. Of course, the Reds hold the tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks and the Cubs, but the Reds will likely lose the tiebreaker to the Marlins. And checking on the Fangraphs playoff odds as I record this, the Diamondbacks, they are all the way up to 63.5%. And then the Cubs and Marlins are both, believe it or not, exactly at 51.7%. Reds have dropped down to 26.7%, but it could be worse. The Giants are now down to just 5.4%. Just a couple days ago, they had the best odds in the pack. All right. Well, here's myself, Craig Sandlin, and Trace Fowler talking about Tuesday night's game. Trace was in his car driving home. He was in attendance at Great America Ballpark. Some of the audio not up to our normal standards, but Trace deserved a chance to watch the Reds in a playoff race, and we were happy to have him there and join us. So enjoy the show. This is Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube from Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, let's do a show. Let's do a show. I'm, I'm ready to do a show. I'm really not that down. I don't, I mean, I don't know. Should I be? I guess, I guess, I don't know if, I don't know how you want to start the show, but I don't know. I feel all right. These are, these are shows I, I kind of have a difficult time with because, I mean, the Reds are six and three in their last nine games. They, they split two games with the Twins. Offense was great last night. Offense was terrible tonight. Uh, Hunter Green's on the mound tomorrow. You move on. That's pretty much kind of all I want to say and move on and not really talk about the game, to be honest. But we do a show, so we're going to try to talk about the game. Craig, what's your overall thoughts? I actually think that the Reds gave away a number of runs tonight, and this game should have been completely different. The offense struggled all night. That may or may not have been different depending on how this game went. I think ultimately David Bell managed differently because of uh, some of the runs they gave away. I think... The players probably played differently because of the way we gave away some runs. But here's what I got. In the second inning, you've got a steal uh, by Kepler on a ball that was bounced by Tyler Stevenson, hit Ellie right in the in the web. Ellie can't hold on to it. Uh, he would have been out. Farmer has Jeffers down 0-2 and ends up walking him, ends up uh, with a single by Walner to score Kepler. Right there in the second inning, your win probability dips, and Minnesota has a 61% win probability right off the bat on a run that shouldn't have scored. Uh, then in the fourth, you've got um, you've got Stevenson's bloop to center field where Castro robs him of a hit. Could have been two runs. You've got runners on second and third. Props to Minnesota. You give them tip of the cap. Great catch by Castro. Those two plays right there could have been a completely different ball game. And then you've got the Minnesota sixth. Uh, Jeffers lines out to India to start the inning, but then Walner hard line drive to center. Farmer weak bloop to right. 
And so you've got runners on first and second because India plays the ball extremely well in the outfield uh, and keeps those runners there. But then you've got yet another pass ball by Tyler Stevenson that'll go down as a wild pitch that goes right between the wickets. Uh, runners advance to second and third and ultimately score on a weak single to right field where they only advanced one base uh, as it was. Uh, then the infield has to play in and because of another base hit that gets through an infield that was pulled in uh, the win probability goes up to 94% when in reality the score would have been probably one nothing or two to one if Ty Steve's ball would have dropped uh, and now you've got David Bell managing differently and in what would have been a two to one ball game instead of what ultimately ended up being seven to nothing. I don't even know if Lively is still in there in the seventh inning to give up the home run to Castro if all of those things play out the way they could have. And then you've got Ty Steve robbed of a home run in the seventh inning that, again, could have been another two runs. And so tip of the cap to Minnesota for two outstanding defensive plays that really changed the outcome of the ballgame, but also um, have to point out the fact that Tyler Stevenson had uh, two pass balls or two plays that could have gone a different way. Um, and then also because of the way the managing was, was done, you've got uh Kepler blue pit to left field that falls between Martini and steer that absolutely would not have fallen, uh, had steer st still been in left field, which again goes to the, just the way we had to manage because that game was out of hand. So ultimately that very well could have been a two to one, two to three, four to two ball game and the reds could have won. But I tell you what, I'm frustrated. I thought that there were some plays defensively behind the dish that would have made a difference Thought Ellie making that play on that stolen base could have made a difference right off the bat. Um, and, uh, yeah, just all around rough night from the second inning on, uh, for the reds, just things didn't go their way. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 uh, eloquently stated a lot of the things that I thought and seen. There's just a couple things that are, that are, that I, I, I don't want to say I'm worried about, but I would say that it's certainly it's certainly uh, is going to be really hard to get where we ultimately want to get to without the help of Ellie De La Cruz, and he just uh, he looks lost right now. I mean, there's really no other term to use outside of just the confidence is just not there. Ellie is a much better player than the way he's played the last month, month and a half. We all have seen it before, and you could argue that the consistency that is not going to be there um, as a rookie. Um, but to go this long is more of just a, it's a mental hurdle right now. And uh, sometimes the mental hurdles are harder to get over than, than the physical ones from time to time. And it kind of reminds me of what Tyler Stevenson went through for, for most of this year as well, right? It, you know, Tyler Stevenson, for, for all intents and purposes, was, was not very good for quite some time. And he's bounced back. And we're just in a position now where um, – you know, we need Ellie De La Cruz. I hate to say that. I know people might think that, uh, that, that they need to send him down, you know, not send him down, but sit him down. And, and, and it's just not a reality. I mean, it's just not a reality. I mean, do I think you could sit him for a day or two? Yes, maybe. But for this team to actually do anything that's, you know, I don't, I don't want to say worthwhile because making the playoffs would be worthwhile. But hopefully people understand where I'm going with this. For this team to play at the highest level possible, they need Ellie De La Cruz. And he's just a, a no-show right now. And I know he's 21. I know he's a rookie. This isn't an anti-Ellie statement. I keep saying that, to be clear. But we have to call a spade a spade. Um, I do think that, that there was some at-bats tonight, guys, that were good at-bats. You just have to give Maeda some credit because he, he, he threw he, – he placed some pitches when it mattered the most. Um, Jonathan India had – three really good at bats he had uh, his lead off at bat and he went full his second at bat uh he went full again hit a and i don't know what the exit velo was on the second ball he hit but he hit it okay and then you know i don't want to say the twins caught a little bit of a break i don't want to make it sound like they got lucky guys but you know india smokes the ball to first base it goes right at their guy you know the very next inning or two they hit no hard hit balls and they're just falling in all over the place and they rob a home run which give them credit and you look up and you realize the score is completely different and i'm starting to concern i guess i don't want to be overly concerned and i'll ask this to, to, to you and nick i guess is this do you think the score was the was the reason was which david bell managed differently for sure or are we in a position where 
David Bell is changing his stripes a little bit when it when when the pressure is mounting or when it means the most. I'll just I guess I'll shut up and kind of listen, but that's a we're, we're we're trending on the line of managing differently right now, and I know Joey Votto's situation is <laughs> that's a whole ball of wax, but um. I just don't know. It just feels like David Bell's letting guys. He's not platooning guys. Like, he's not pinch hitting early in games like he once did. And maybe that's just because of the score. Or is that just because he just doesn't trust the guys off the bench that even though they have better splits, he wants to he wants to see what these guys have, I guess, before he goes to them. I don't know. On Lively, I would say David Bell used four relievers before he went to Lively. I think that the decision for this game going into this game, and I think I said it yesterday, I think it was you, you worked this game backwards. You use the four relievers that you, uh, however many relievers you want to use first. Uh, if you are in the game, you don't go to Lively. You just keep rolling out your best relievers. If not, you kind of go to Lively. I mean, when Lively came in this game, uh, the Reds were down what? Three nothing? Two nothing. Two nothing? Okay. I, I mean, you know, but they'd already used four relievers. I mean, I, I don't know. what What's your. You're you're kind of in a you're in a spot here. Do do you really want to down two nothing burn through your entire bullpen? No no no. I I, I wasn't even talking about the, the 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 bullpen. I thought he managed that perfectly. He, you have to do what you have to do there. You have Hunter Green going tomorrow. You save all your best guys. You try to win the series. I think that's that was perfectly executed. I'm more low, I'm more so letting like and it, and it worked out. I mean people are gonna laugh at me, but it worked out again. But like you let Will Benson hit lefty on lefty. Yes, he 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 gets a base hit. But these these are things that he just hasn't done in the past. You know, he he just again the other night, two nights ago, he let Joey Votto hit against the lefty two different times. I just I guess I, I'll live with it. I'm not suggesting it's a horrible situation going on right now, but I'm just wondering if you felt like what was the purpose of letting Will Benson hit in that spot, lefty on lefty, when you have a guy like Stuart Fairchild, and people are gonna make fun of me for saying it, but you were already pretty much down and out in the game. I'm, I'm not saying you could quit, but you have a chance to give Stuart Fairchild that bat and, and, and at least get his feet wet again before you stick him in there and maybe he has a, a bigger moment where he needs to have another bat. That's more or less my I guess question or pushback. And again, to be clear, Nick, and also Craig, I'm not overly concerned about it. I'm just bringing it up as like more of a topic of conversation, I guess. I, I got to find out when Will Benson hit. Yeah, bottom of the six leading off. I mean, I, I think the Joey Votto yesterday was completely going against what he's done all year. There's no question about that. Will Benson, I mean, that's the bottom of the six. Will Benson's leading off. They were down 4 nothing then. So I, I'm, I'm assuming the thought process there is we're down 4 nothing. We need a bunch of runs. The last thing I want to do is burn Will Benson for uh, a pinch hitter when he's the leadoff guy in the inning. And then... Not have and then have uh Will Benson spot come back up in the lineup in the eighth or ninth inning with the bases loaded, and I have a right on right matchup because I burned all my, my left handed batters. I think that was more what that was about. I didn't really have an issue with that. If it was a you know tighter game, then yeah, I mean, you maybe go for it there, but I, I think that was just that was just more the situ- the situation uh dictated that one. Well, whether it was the score or just the offensive struggles in general. There's no way you can tell me a David Bell, even a month ago, is letting Ben Lively continue to pitch in the sixth after the first five batters go hard line drive to India, single, 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 single. I mean, he struggled with his control all night. That's not debatable. So in a game that in this situation was two nothing, but easily could have been one nothing or whatever, um, the offense is struggling. He probably doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in the offense at this point. Maeda is a, um, at that point had been pulled, but yeah, I just don't think David Bell had confidence in the offense to be able to. Yeah. The, the, the probability of them coming back was not good enough for him to burn through what. The difference between what we have now and a month ago is, is, is as we all know, like vastly different. You know, I mean, I can't blame David Bell for wanting to save these guys. It's it's legitimately going to be, and I said this like on yesterday's show. I really do think David Bell's going to have to punt on certain games because, as crazy as this sounds, you you have to pick your spots because if you don't, and Hunter Green, let's just say Hunter Green goes out there tomorrow and throws five innings, gives up two runs, or hell, let's say he gives up three runs and the score is four to three or three to three, 
And now what do you have if you burn Jabot and you burn, you know, whoever it may be, Sims or somebody else tonight, you, you just, it's almost like when David Bell decides to go all in on a game right now, we have to win. Now that sounds crazy to say, but we, it's almost like it's, it's feast or famine. So we have to go all in and we have to win. You can't go halfway and halfway and lose both games right now because ultimately it's, you know, one game is going to probably be the difference here. I know that sounds not all that crazy anymore, but one game is probably going to be the difference between making it or not making it. And, um, well, yeah. I think it. I think it's tough. I agree with you that I think you can manage to win and you can manage to manage. We talk, You guys talked about it. I've talked about it with Nick. At the end of the day, I think realistically, when we were looking at the schedule for the rest of the season – a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the series and said, let's take one of three. Realistically, it was the best the best team we were going to face the rest of the year. We wanted to take one of three. Now you're in a position, realistically, where you picked up that win yesterday because of a great outing from Phillips. And you're in a position with Hunter Green scheduled to go tomorrow. You can now take two of three in a series that, realistically, you wanted to get one in. And so you're still on track to win that series you're still on track to be where you want to be from a win-loss record for the rest of the year just by taking the one game that you took yesterday with an opportunity to win tomorrow so i'm okay with punting today the frustrating part for me was that it felt like regardless of what the plan was the the defense and tyler stevenson specifically behind the plate put him in a position where he had to manage that way and so to talk about another topic, I mean, Tyler Stevenson now has started four games in a row. Um, Luke Maley is seemingly out, had x-rays on his hand that came back negative, a left-hand contusion. Um, our understanding is that he can't bat. We've got a day game tomorrow, and we don't have another catcher on the roster. My guess is that they're going to ask Ty Steve to go again tomorrow and then hope that with the day off on Thursday that Luke Maley can be back on when, on Friday. But... Ty Steve behind the plate to me defensively looked exhausted. The ball between the wickets early on, the ball that he didn't even try and block later on in the game that just hit off his shin guard and bounced away. They were, quite frankly, lazy plays. And I think it comes down to he started four games in a row on a team where he had been guaranteed an off day every four days because Maley was catching Abbott, but Maley was catching a lot more than that. So now you're asking a guy to come in and catch four days in a row, which, quite frankly, you don't even ask guys to do in Little League. So No catcher does that outside maybe, I guess, Salvador Perez. but like, Some guys. Some guys do. Like two catchers in baseball, not Tyler Stevenson. No, I know. Uh, I know, I know I'm just saying like some guys. It's, it's rare, but there's some. But, but, but your, your guys' point is valid. The only the only question I push back on is like what's the solution? I don't know if there is one. I guess Kirk Casale, like, is he is he just gone? Is is he like with expanded rosters? It definitely seems wild to me for a for a for a podcast and for us as a show who've joked about having three catchers all year long. That with expanded rosters and one of our catchers hurt, we're in a position where we don't have three catchers. I I it make it make sense, I guess, but I don't know. I mean, it, and I know I, I'm asking more of like someone that's naive. What is the solution? Is it you have to go and ask Casale if he's ready, or is it Chucky Robinson? Is that even a possibility? I don't know. Is there a solution? It, it's a it's just such a weird roster because you have Jake Fraley, who's a DH only, and then you have really two first basemen only. I know Christian Ingrassio and Strand played at third base. I am completely against that, uh, but it, it's it's a roster that you it's you have a twenty eight players, but you it's not as flexible as even some of the 26-man rosters that, that David Bell had earlier in the year. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't – Tyler Stevenson needs a day off. I don't I don't think they're being fair to him, to be honest, asking this much of him. I don't know. Maybe there's something with Luke Maley. Maybe they're like, he just needs one more day. We can have him tomorrow. But I don't know. Even if it was like he can come back Friday, I kind of feel like that's, that's too long. Like, I know Luke Maley's been valuable, but is he that valuable that we make Tyler Stevenson get games in a row? So he can come back four or five days earlier off the IL because that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Yeah, I mean, at this point, if he's if he's already six days in, I mean, you could have. It's only a ten I, day I, IL, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, you I mean, can retroactive it too. You can retroactive it. So like at some point you just got to bring somebody up, man. Yeah, I don't I I don't feel like it was at all fair to to Stevenson. Uh Maley did play on the 15th. So I I don't like to trace this point. I don't know the answer. But the answer can't be letting your catcher play six straight days and be behind the plate four straight. I mean, there's very few organizations in the league that are going to do that to a guy. And I don't know the, uh, the severity of, of Luke Maley's injury. Um, all I know is that the x-rays came back negative, but I do know that the discomfort comes when he hits, right? So I don't know. There's, there's gotta be a solution right now. I just, I feel for Tyler Stevenson because he's, he's definitely struggling back there, but I, I assume that he's doing the best he can in a, in a terrible situation. Do you have any other thoughts on the offense? Uh, I'd like to see Noel V. Marte get in the lineup. Fraley, that's- Fraley's, the, Fraley's the, the, the biggest question mark there is. If you want to talk about a hot topic, I think that's the guy. That's, that's it. And you know what? It sucks because he's probably the best hitter we have against right-handers. He's been the best right-handed hitter, our best, the best hitter against right-handers all season long. It's just a, it's it's a really tough tell. It's a really tough ask of David Bell because he's got to figure out how healthy how healthy is Jake Fraley. And Jake Fraley's a guy that's a warrior. He's not gonna he clearly when you come back because you want to play through a broken toe because you want to be a part of a playoff push and you love your teammates and all that. That is great, um, and we all love that. And by God, when he came back, he was basically carrying the team on that broken toe the first two games he came back. But the problem is, fellas. At some point, push comes to shove. There is zero excuse that Noel Marte is not playing every day right now. He's the best hitter this team's had for the past month. He's, he looks the part. He is the part. And until he proves otherwise, he should be in the lineup every single day. It's a disgrace that he's not in the lineup. I think what Trace is, say, is saying is accurate. And to his final point there, I don't know the answer either. It's the same situation with Tyler Stevenson and Luke Maley. I don't know the answer. But you've got a situation where Noel Marte and Christian Encarnacion Strand are two of your hottest hitters on your team, point blank. And you're continuing to put in guys like Jake Fraley, who is not 100%, and Joey Votto, who's not 100%, in place of those guys, when in reality you can easily get Marte and CES defensively on the field and platoon Votto and Fraley. But to the point earlier as well that Trace said is – it feels like David Bell is managing this as if it is Joey Votto's last homestand. And he's going to play every game this week, regardless of what happens. And that just is going to leave one of the young guys out of the rotation uh, because it doesn't feel like he's going to sit Fraley either. And so one of the questions that I certainly have is where does Ellie fit into that platoon situation? Is, is there an opportunity for, for one game? Cause I know I've heard, from others that Marte is not a guy you want at shortstop, but telling me that for one game, Marte is going to be that much worse than what Ellie has shown recently, both offensively and defensively. A couple points, you know, again, like I, I think we all love what Jake Fraley's done and I get it. It's a really hard decision. He did have a single tonight, but the single was only 80 miles an hour off the bat. He He's not looking like the Jake Fraley that, that we, that we know. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because he's, giving all he has, but it, I, I just, I don't see how, first off, Joey Votto is not coming out of the lineup. It's over. Th- there's no point in even discussing this anymore. He's going to be in the lineup every day. The rest of this homestand, it is what it is. And th- there's no point. You saw that interview last night. And after David Bell pulled him in the middle of the game today to, to give him rest today, he's playing every game, the rest of this homestand. So there's that, that is what it is. So pretty much it's, it's, is Jake Fraley's bat in the lineup worth significantly weakening your defense by putting Christian Encarnacion strand at third base? And I, I just don't think the answer is yes to that. Uh, and I know it didn't bite them today, but it, I think that will bite them. My, my other point, my other thing that I'm, I'm here is like Noel V. Marte's fine at shortstop for a game here and there, but I just, man, if you're talking CES at third base, Marte at shortstop and India at second base, it's a terrible defensive infield. Uh, anyone who watched Marte and CES in the minor leagues, Marte is not a great defensive shortstop. CES is definitely not a, a 
great defensive third baseman. We already know we've exhausted Jonathan India. I, I just I, I don't think that trade off is it is it all worth it? And and I I think Ellie De La Cruz against right handed pitching with all the things that he can do. I still think you ride that out. I'll die on that hill. I, I just it is a little interesting to me that. In June, we had a situation where the Reds were idiots for not calling up Ellie De La Cruz, and now they're idiots for playing Ellie De La Cruz. That's that's quite a turn, in my opinion. But I'll shut up. Well, I think personally, I'm not asking them to sit Ellie for an extended period of time. But I think when you're looking at a situation where you've got two of your hottest hitters on the team who have to be on the bench, or at least one of them has to be on the bench because you refuse to sit an aging Joey Votto and a young Ellie De La Cruz. Ultimately, for me, especially in games like we talked earlier, if you're managing to win those games, you have to get your best at bats out of your young guys if you can. Um, and so I don't, again, I don't know the answer. I didn't see enough of CES at third in the past. I didn't see enough of Marte at shortstop in the past. Uh, to know how much that's going to negatively affect your defense. But I do know what it's doing to my offense. And the other point that I wanted to point out was that we saw what was interesting to me today is that we saw Jake Fraley in a double steal. And I realized that it was a double steal in a different situation. But if he's healthy enough to go out there and swipe second base and they threw down a second and he would have been safe even with the throw, is he not healthy enough to throw him in right field every once in a while? I mean, I I don't know. I don't know how standing on it for elongated period of time is going to be all of those things, but putting him out there instead of Nick Martini, I mean, I don't know. Cause I also don't want to put Will Benson on the bench right now, especially against the right-handed pitching that we have coming up. Obviously we have to find a place. Friedel's got to be in the lineup. Steer's got to be in the lineup. So we've got a lot of like, good pieces that have to be in the lineup and ultimately this is why david bell is in conversation for manager of the year is he's got to be able to find a way to manage these pieces and um i i am not in love with the way he has managed over the last week or two um i don't know if maybe Votto made the decision that he was going to retire after this year and told david bell a couple weeks ago rather than at the beginning of the season and now david bell is managing differently because of that or if he knows something about Marte or CES but ever since Marte broke his nose it certainly feels like he has not gotten the opportunities that he has certainly earned it's a tough roster right now there's just a lot of pieces that that don't really fit all that well together um I just I don't know I just say I'd caution people on wanting to bench Ellie De La Cruz uh because of the defense and, and kind of what that would create. Now, if Matt McClain comes back next week, I think it's an t- entirely different conversation. I think you can get away with benching Ellie a little bit if, if you really feel that. But Ellie's also Ellie's also capable of getting on a hot streak more than anyone else in this lineup. And I don't know, it probably sounds stupid right now, but if it happens next week, no one's going to be complaining about it. So I don't want to sound like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth. I think when I said Ellie needs a br- Ellie needs um. I don't know what it is exactly. If baseball was easy and there was a medicine for everything, everybody would do the same thing and you'd just fix the problem, right? I, I don't know what Ellie needs exactly. It's just that it's just like sometimes when I hearken back to kind of uh, again when I when you struggle in baseball, sometimes having a couple days off in a row can kind of reset, reset. You can reset and you can start to get yourself back into a groove. And then there's certain times where it's just something happens in a game where you make a great play or, you know, Ellie accidentally runs into a fastball and then, 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 then the switch hits and boom, we have Ellie back. We can't sit Ellie for extended periods of time. Anybody that says that right now, I don't think they're really thinking about the long-term solution of what this team actually needs to be successful because Ellie, for all intents and purposes, if he gets hot, this team's just a different team. This team, you, you could you could argue this team is is a team that could actually advance in the postseason if Ellie gets hot. If Ellie if Ellie's in a position where he continues to play play the way that he is, of course you're you're going to want to find a solution to to hit or or uh, find a find a replacement for him. 
but it just feels like and i'm with i'm with nick on this and you're we're gonna get crushed a little bit for it it's like it feels like we've waited it out for so long that when's that when's that gonna when's that switch gonna happen maybe it doesn't happen all year i could be wrong but it could be tomorrow like it could be it could be tomorrow he could go three for four with two home runs tomorrow next thing you know we're right back on track and we're feeling great about everything um i know it doesn't look like that and by god it doesn't um but at the same time this team is in a position where you guys nailed around his head joey Votto's playing it is what it is and you know what he's 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 earned the right to play i understand both sides of the aisle on that but he's gonna play so it's a waste of it's a waste of our time to sit here and discuss that what you do for the rest of the stuff, I, I just think at the end of it all, I hate to say this, but I think Fraley's the guy that has to probably sit. And that sucks because he's probably the guy that we relied on the most all year long when it came to being productive against right-handed arms. He's just not the same guy he was. And when you're playing in short spurts, you got to go with the hot hand. You don't, you don't look over 800 at-bats and say, well, this guy's just a little bit better. I'm going off of what guys have done in the last two weeks. And with all due respect, the last seven games, Marte's hitting 500. CES is hitting like 370 with two home runs and, you know, whatever, five RBIs. Fraley's hitting a buck 40. So, you know, I don't know. And that's not a Jake Fraley slander piece. I love Jake Fraley. But a spade is a spade, fellas. That's part of it. You got to make hard decisions. David Bell, David Bell's never been in this spot before. I don't think. He's never been in a spot where he's had to manage a legacy. He's managing a legacy. He's managing rookies that are trying to find their footing. And he's also managing a bullpen that is basically held together by just silly string. So... I don't I don't envy David Bell. The last time I was on the show, we did an exercise. We gave you Marte, CES, Vado, and Fraley. When you told we told the chat to rank those four in terms of most that you, you want to see most in the lineup, all the way down to least. And Nick Nick said at the time, I mean, Joey Votto, quite frankly, was number four on that list. I think Fraley may have slipped to four on the list for me since then just based on the way he's performed but the two pieces that have not changed without a question is that Marte and CES are number one and two on that list and so if David Bell is set on Joey Votto playing then Fraley has to be the odd man out you can't continue to give up at bats by having Jake Fraley up there and again no hate to Jake Fraley because he's giving his all on a broken toe and quite frankly, in most situations, would just be on the IL and not playing. Right. But in this year that we are competing in, where we're competing for a playoff spot, he's eating up at-bats from young guys who, one, need the experience, but two, are better offensively than him right now, even against right-handed pitching. I don't, I don't think it's even necessarily as much eating up at-bats. It's that... He's also weakening your defense by having to be your DH. And I think the, the culmination of both of those things, I think he's the odd man out right now. Uh, I think you just put your better defense on on the field. Um, I think it also allows you to maybe DH Joey Votto. If you're going to play Joey Votto every single day this week, he needs to DH a couple of these days to, to make him have a chance of being effective all weekend. Uh, but one thing I will say about Ellie De La Cruz, Pirates have three right-handed pitchers going this weekend. They are all 4A pitchers. Ellie tripled off one of them. Ellie homered off one of them. Matt McClain's supposed to be back next week. I think you ride out the Ellie train this weekend. If if Ellie has a terrible weekend against 4A pitchers, then I think maybe you can you can say, all right, we got five games left. We, we move McClain in, and we make Ellie become our super sub on the bench that can pinch run, that can do all these cool yeah. things for us in that role. But I'm playing Ellie De La Cruz these three games against the Pittsburgh Pirates in Great American Ballpark, and I'm seeing if he can get hot. And if he gets hot, this is a totally different baseball team. This team has a chance of actually doing something in the postseason. Without Ellie De La Cruz, it's really hard to see 
I mean, it's a crapshoot, but y- you get what I'm saying. Um, that that yeah. that's kind of that's kind of where I'm. You know, defense you defense know, what, mat- defense matters though, and you saw it with the Twins tonight. Defense matters. You can't be throwing out crappy defensive lineups for marginal at best uh, um, improvements to your offense. Yeah, and listen, every good every good defensive player can go through a slump as well. So. I'm not giving up on Ellie being really, really good defensively, but he struggled lately, and I'll admit that. I mean, like, there's no, there's no, there's really no defense mechanism of saying that Ellie's been good lately in any in any form or fashion. The one thing I would like for David Bell to do for him, and this sounds a little moronic, a little bit to some maybe, but if I'd really like to get him on the bench and pinch it or pinch run, excuse me. Sometimes when you get on the bases in and of itself in any form or fashion and you produce and you help out the team, it might, you know, it can spark some confidence. And the easiest thing that Ellie can do is run. I mean, you can't take that away from him. No matter what happens, Ellie knows how to run. And, and, and you know, heaven forbid, heaven forbid he pinch runs and he gets thrown out, you know. But I, I would, if you wanted to get Ellie in there, it wouldn't be it would not be like a bad idea to try to pinch run him in like the third or fourth inning one game when you feel like you got a lead off guy get on and it's one of those marginal outfielders that you think you could get you know you could replace them um and you shift the the defense around it's not a bad idea is all i'm saying and uh we need ellie and i know people are hating on ellie and i know some people think that we're just ellie homers ellie sucked ellie has sucked he's been terrible so for those that want to sit here and say that I don't say bad things about Ellie, there you go. You got your clip. But here's the thing. Without Ellie, this team ain't doing So I know it's a kid's show, but that's the truth. I'm on board with that thought. And I think Ellie is best when he has his swag. We talked. The, I talked the other yes, night about he needs that the back. comparison to Jazz Chisholm and how when Jazz kind of gets in his, in his little mood, he uh, – Having lived in Miami and watching Jazz closely, he kind of gets in his mood, and then he goes on hot streaks. We saw it; he hit a grand slam the other night, and then the next day he does it again. Um, I think pinch running is the easiest way to give Ellie De La, Cruz, De La Cruz an easy win, right? Continuing to throw him up at bats, it's not an easy win. Deion Sanders said on Game Time this weekend, hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports. So... If you need to get Ellie an easy win to try and get that swagger back a little bit, maybe I think what Trace is saying is a great opportunity. You put him in there as a pinch runner, potentially early in the game and what could be a swing moment for you. Uh, maybe it's a tie ball game or a close ball game. You put Ellie in to pinch run. He's able to steal a base. He's able to score on a, a bloop single that other people wouldn't have scored on. Next thing you know, Ellie has his groove back and he's coming up against a Pittsburgh pitching uh, rotation that he's had his number. So uh, I don't hate it. And uh, quite frankly, I don't hate the idea of kind of giving him an off day from the plate tomorrow to add on to the off day on Thursday, just to kind of give that extra day off. I mean, the, the kid has been playing nonstop for months with very few off days and so maybe two days in a row would be good for him and you can use him off the bench as a pinch runner. Um, but he doesn't have to play the field and he doesn't have to get any swings at the plate. Um, and it gives them some swag and gives the team some momentum and hype that they need. Cause I don't, I don't see any real excitement out of this team right now, even in games where they're winning, like it doesn't feel the same as it did when Ellie had his swag and I'm not saying we need that, but this team is a lot different when Ellie has that swag and it rubs off on the rest of the team. Um, and if he has his, his boy, Matt McLean back next week, maybe that adds to his swag a little bit too. Yeah, Matt McLean, we're, we miss him a lot. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I know it sounds like uh, of all the guys that, that, that we, couldn't afford to have injured Matt McClain is at the top of the list. He just was, he, you know what he was? He was like a Spencer steer 2.0 in a little bit of a way. You know, I think he was, a, he was just a little bit better than steer defensively. And he was just as productive at the plate as steer. And you kind of felt like if you had an inning that started off with, you know, whoever, and then it was basically McLean steer 
Fraley, when he was going well, you just felt like you were going to produce. You felt like you were going to probably get yourselves into a position where you were going to score. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I really do feel this way. Jonathan India is having some good at-bats, fellas. So I really think Jonathan India is a guy that I'm not saying he's going to get he's going to get super, super hot, but he's going to be a guy that I think is going to help us out. And and uh, even when McLean comes back, it's going to be nice if, if that's where it's going to get wild because I got news for you. Jonathan India should DH a couple times, but I just don't know what they're going to do, man. We'll see. We'll see what they do. I don't know. I, I think I know what they're going to do, but – I don't know. I guess we'll see. That's all. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz. Before we wrap it up uh, on that, uh, I got a haircut today. Uh, guy that new, new barber shop because everywhere around town in this area, for some godforsaken reason, you can never get in. So I tried a new one. Comes in, sees my Cincinnati red shirt, and says, "Oh, how about those Bengals?" I was like, "Dude, I, I'm a Reds fan." <laughs> and, and he goes, "Oh, you got that Ellie De La Cruz player? That's the only he's he's doing great, isn't he?" Like, so it's funny, the perspective outside of like us who watch this every day, uh, how like a guy in the Cleveland area is like Ellie De La Cruz is crushing it. And I'm like, yeah, you should see my chat, bro. Um, but uh, there's a lot of parallels to Ellie De La Cruz and Jay Bruce. So Jay Bruce came up, lit the world on fire for a couple weeks. And then after those couple weeks, I'm, I got the numbers here. This is after he like cooled off after like three weeks. He hit 229 with a 281 on base percentage, 424 slugging. That's a 79 weighted runs created plus the rest of the season. And then Jay Bruce turned out to be a really solid player. If Ellie De La Cruz puts up Jay Bruce's numbers with his base running and his defensive ability at shortstop, that's a perennial all-star player in MVP discussion. So, but, Jay, but after Jay Bruce came up, teams started pitching him different. Everyone's like, I, I, we're not letting that guy beat us. And that's what's happened, I think, with Ellie De La Cruz. And Ellie De La Cruz right now is in a spot where they never thought he would be this year. No one thought he was going to be taking at bats in September 19th with the playoffs on the line. So it, it's a spot that's really not what you ever expected with Ellie De La Cruz. And uh, I, I'm still confident as hell on him going forward. I think we're going to laugh about this moment um, in the near future. All right. You should, you should, you should, you should, you should feel good. I, I listen, Ellie's going to be fine. I don't even think they're pitching him different, bro. I just think that he's just lost some confidence and he's just missing some pitches that he didn't miss before. And it's just in his head. He's in his head. One, one last positive note on the uh, game tonight. And then we can talk about tomorrow's game. Um, I just want to shout out Fernando Cruz. You know, we've, we've talked a lot about the offense. We've talked a lot about Ben Lively. But Fernando Cruz yet again tonight, absolutely dominant as the as the uh, opener uh, tonight. One and two thirds innings, no hits, ends up giving up an earned run uh, on a walk to Kepler. But again, as I said earlier, that run never should have scored. Uh, four strikeouts, one walk, um, twenty four pitches. Is last. Five appearances, including tonight. Six and a third innings pitched, one hit, one run, two walks, 11 strikeouts. He came back from the COVID IL. His first game back was rough. I said it on the show that night. He's getting his his feet back under him. He was sick. He's coming back from the COVID IL. He'll be fine. And since that moment, absolutely dominant. As an opener now, before tonight, he uh, four and two-thirds, one hit, one run, 11 strikeouts. So now if you add in tonight, he's at six and a third of one hit baseball as an opener in four opportunities in his career over the last two years. Really, really quick question you, Nick, before we get off the show. I know you're, gonna, I know you're wrapping up, but is Fernando Cruz in a spot where, where what is he a free agent after this year? I, I know you're smiling at me. I have no idea. How much team control do we have? It, it's it's weird though because you like see like him and your and Buck Farmer and you're like, how's Buck Farmer a free agent? Yeah, Fernando Cruz made his debut with the Reds, so Reds have him through 2028. But remember, our, our guy is 33 years old, <laughs> <laughs> which is insane. Like this dude's 33 years old and he's one of our best relievers just uh, barely getting his feet wet in major league baseball. Oh, yeah. I mean seriously what an awesome story though. I mean 
for a guy to be 33 years old, made his major league debut at 32. I'm like, I remember last year when this dude was called up, we thought he was just, you know, a filler dude. Like, I think yeah. everyone thought that. They're like, oh, this guy had some nice success in the minors, but he's come up and he's been an absolute stud. I mean, he's he's like almost uh I mean, I know we got Alexis Diaz, but if we didn't have Alexis Diaz, this is like future closer type material, which yeah. you see out of him. But I love him in the opener role. I think they should do this a couple more times. I think he has a high ceiling in that role where he can give you two dominant innings. Just, man, Fernando Cruz has been a huge, huge weapon for this team. He looks like he's a little bit more fresh than maybe some of these other guys. Yeah, I mean, he found a pitch. He, fa- he found an elite pitch. I'm not going to compare it to Mariano Rivera's cutter, but it's like when you when you find a pitch that you know that ultimately when you throw it well, it doesn't matter if the hitter knows it's coming or not. That's what he has. The the splitter is elite. It's it is elite. And if he can throw that for strikes, or not even just strikes, but if he can throw that in a manner in which it appears to be a strike, it's game over, dude. It, it, it legitimately is game over. So I'm not going to sit here and forecast the fact that Duarte, or not Duarte, by the way, shout out Duarte. He made things interesting, but he did get out of a jam. Did get out of a jam. But Fernando Cruz, I'm not going to say that he's going to end up being like a superstar. Because these guys are 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 the literally the most fickle bunch there is, which are the relief pitchers. But if he can continue to throw strikes, Fernando Cruz is gonna be a problem. And it's not gonna be for the Reds. I mean, imagine a playoff series where you get six in or a playoff game in general where you get six innings out of someone like Abbott or Green or whatever, and then you turn it over to a bullpen where the seventh inning is gonna be some combination of Ian Jabot, who's been shut down, Sam Maul, who's been shut down. Lucas Sims, Alex Young, who obviously struggled tonight, but has been decent in general. Um, and then you hand it over to Fernando Cruz for the eighth and then Alexis Diaz for the ninth. I mean, you're putting yourself in a position where a five out, a five inning outing out of your starting pitcher and your opposing team is done without a doubt. I mean, the bullpen is set up to make a potential playoff run if we can get there and if the offense can step up. But I mean, if Fernando Cruz can keep throwing like this, he's going to be challenging Alexis Diaz for his job next year. (laughs) I don't think, I don't think Alexis is in danger. (laughs) I'm not sure what more that guy could have done this year. Uh, But I mean, that eight, nine inning with those two potentially, yeah, we'll see. Don't want to don't want, don't want to get too far, but yeah, he, he looks great. Okay, Go those ahead, two eight nine inning in the playoffs, if we can get there. Speaking of playoffs, big league transition. Your <laughs> Chattanooga Lookouts played in the playoffs tonight. Unfortunately, it didn't go well. They lost three to one. This is a best of three series. The first game is in Tennessee. The next uh, that's the Tennessee Smokies, just outside of Gatlinburg. Beautiful stadium, by the way. The next two on Thursday and then Friday, if necessary, are in Chattanooga. The Tennessee Smokies are the Cubs AA affiliate. They had their top prospect on the mound, Cade Horton. Absolutely dominant. So the other two games will be good for Chattanooga. I think Chase Petty's probably going to get involved. He didn't pitch tonight. But they lost a 3-1. to one. Some good stuff in this, though. Edwin Arroyo, 2-5 for five in a playoff game, so that was cool to see. Um, Blake Dunn, 1-4 with a walk. Reese Hines was 0-3, but he absolutely smoked a ball. Got robbed by the Cubs uh, center fielder Alcantara. Um, and then Julian Aguilar started this game. Struggled early, but then bounced back and actually gave the team a chance to win. Six innings pitch, six hits, three runs, two walks, two strikeouts. And then uh, Louisville, they also lost to the other Cubs stupid affiliate, uh, eight to four. Uh, Brett Kennedy, he, uh, it was a rough one, three and two thirds, six earned runs. But a positive here, Levi Stout, a guy that, if we're talking, the Reds might, you know, need like some starting depth or something over the last week. Two and a third scoreless today. Uh, struck out two, only walked one. So that's good to see. Just another guy that gives you an option. Kind of been following him. And then two really good offensive performances, but in very different ways. Jose Barrero, four for four with a double. And Craig, are you ready? Jacob Herdeby, zero for zero tonight with four walks. He walked four times. How about? How many that? stolen bases? Did he swipe some bags? I didn't. He didn't steal any bags oh, that, I, that I'm aware of. 
but Jacob Herdeby. Hold on, hold on. We, we got to look up his on base percentage because it's <laughs> it, it's. I mean, it's at insane. AAA, his on base percentage has got to be pushing like six hundred. It's ridiculous. Is it, is it crazy to think that Jose Barrero has to be at least somewhat of a consideration, or no? He's an option. I mean, he he's a guy that gives Nick Kroll some options this offseason. Um, if the Reds decide they want to move someone else, um, he's kind of gives you a backup going into the season, which is good to have. Um, I, I wouldn't be against Jose Barrero being a backup player on the 2024 Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I think he can provide some value there. Um, but Jacob Hurd to be a 479 on base percentage in 323 at-bats this season. What is it? At just a triple A five fifty in 31 games. P- I swear people probably laughed at me when I said he was pushing 600 on base percentage, but I, I perk up I, for Jacob her to be at bats. Whenever I got it on, I perk I up. No, I'm watching. I know. I'm, uh, people, people told me it's just a, a fluke and a flash in the pan. And yet he continues to get on base and get base hits. I don't know. I don't know. Fun player, fun player. <laughs> and then tomorrow, we got Hunter Green on the mound. Hunter Green's pitching his best baseball of the season. I feel really good about Hunter Green tomorrow. I feel like Hunter Green is is dialed in as we've seen. Uh, I mean, his last three starts have been absolutely electric. We got a 1.59 ERA, and that's including one three-run home run. The last battery face at his last start, and it's still only 1.59 over his last three. 21 strikeouts, just six walks in those three starts. I feel good about Hunter Green. Uh, we'll get. We'll ask each of you guys your thoughts on Hunter Green. I'll tell you a little bit more about Bailey Ober. He's another talented Twins pitcher. He's uh, been really good the last two years, but he's uh, battled injuries a lot. Positive though, has struggled a little bit of late. Six point two seven ERA over his last seven, and he only made one start against the Reds. It was in Minnesota back in twenty twenty one. Four and a third, four earned runs. So. Uh, but, but Craig, start with you. Where are you feeling about Hunter Green right now and where he's at? Uh, I feel great. I mean, his last outing was dominant. I feel excited about tomorrow. Day game, the ball can be flying, though, so we got to keep it on the ground. But a great day for our offense to catch fire. Maybe Ellie can get a, a home run if they do play him. Uh, but also, uh, you know, say what you want about the way David Bell managed tonight, but we have Jabot, Mole, Sims, and Diaz, all who didn't pitch tonight and with a day off on Thursday. So you can be aggressive if Hunter Green does get into trouble at all in the fifth or sixth inning because you have a bullpen ready to go. Um, but his last downing looked like the Hunter Green that we need Hunter Green to be if we want to move forward in the playoffs. Um, his fastball was working. He was aggressive. Um, he looked great last time out. Need six innings, three runs. Six innings, three runs. Reds win. I really do believe that. Uh, the bullpen's ready to go. I think tomorrow this offense is going to score some runs. You know, and I know that, that, that that's that's a good outing, but, it, you know, I'm not going to ask for Connor Phillips like some – I'm not going to ask for him to go seven innings and, and only give up one or two runs. Like six innings, three runs, Reds win. That's how I feel. Tomorrow, uh, Giants-Diamondbacks at 340. Merrill Kelly on the mound for the D-backs. Uh, Marlins, they got to go up against uh, Senga tomorrow, who's been on an absolute roll of late. So say a prayer for for Kodai Senga that he can come out, dominate the Marlins like I believe he can. And then uh, Cubs got Justin Steele on the mound. So this is a big one tomorrow for the Reds. Um, but if you get this, you get an off day, you continue to put pressure on these other teams, which is uh, really, I think, the, the name of the game right now. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We greatly appreciate all of the love and support. If you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, well, what are you waiting for? Do it right now as we have new episodes available bright and early the morning after every single Reds game this season, just in time for your daily commute, your morning coffee, or however else you get your day started. And also, make sure that you're subscribed to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube So you can join us live after every single Reds game this season and be a part of the conversation. Hit the bell and turn on notifications also so you can get alerts on your phone whenever we go live. We hope that you have a fantastic day. And as always, go Reds.